Welcome to the May 23rd, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and talk about the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host, Space Marine, live from space. So Bitcoin is skipping along its support level near $7,600 right now. It's slightly below it at this exact moment at $7,560. And earlier this morning around 5 a.m. Eastern Time, Bitcoin went as low as $7,500. But it seems like that $7,600 level is basically holding. Looking at the Bitstamp order book depth chart, it's a nice V pattern indicating that it's not necessarily going to go down from here. Like you can kind of tell when the buying support on the order book depth chart is really weak and then the selling pressure is strong then you know the price is probably going to go down or if the buying pressure is really strong and the selling pressure is weak then the price will probably go up but right now it's kind of equal so it seems like seventy six hundred dollars is a decent support level i can't guarantee or know that seventy six hundred dollars is going to hold all day but it's holding for now bitcoin's been around for the past several hours now, and it's hit it a few times over the past 12 hours. So if $7,600 holds, that's a bullish sign that Bitcoin could probably go back up to the top of its range. So since Sunday, Bitcoin has been in this range between $7,600, actually $7,500 and $8,300. So if it holds the bottom of the range above the support level or at the support level, then it's going to have a chance to go back up towards its resistance at $8,300. 8300 is that key resistance level to watch. We're not really within striking distance of it right now, but if Bitcoin's going to extend its rally from the past couple of months, it will have to break 8300. It might be a hard resistance level to break, but when it does break it, if it does break it, it would probably be a big rally. But that's probably not what we're going to be talking about today. Right now, today is about keeping that $7,600 support level intact. It's slightly below it right now, but support levels and resistance levels are kind of broad. They usually stretch at least $100, sometimes $200. So just because Bitcoin's at $7,560, $7,570 right now doesn't mean it broke through support and is going down a lot. But yeah, that's something to monitor throughout the day. If Bitcoin significantly dips below $7,600 to like $7,400, that means it'll lose that support level and things could get quite bearish. So because Bitcoin's near the bottom of its trading range, uh, the crypto market is generally in the red right now. Ethereum is down 6.2% near $237. Ripple is down 5.3% at $0.37. Bitcoin Cash is down 6% at $381. Litecoin is down 4.3% near $86. EOS is down 5.7%. It has slid below $6. Binance Coins only down 2.1%. It's still near $31. Its all-time high ever was $32, which was achieved like a day or two ago. So Binance Coins looking pretty strong. Stellar is down 7%. Cardano is down 7.5%. Tron is down 6.1%. Bitcoin SV is down 2.5%. It has slid just below $100. It's at $99. So Bitcoin SV had that big rally a couple of days ago because Craig Wright copyrighted Bitcoin's code and white paper. And then he says he's going to transfer the copyright over to the Bitcoin Association, which owns Bitcoin SV software. So that caused a Bitcoin SV rally, but it was more like a pump and dump. It went from like $62 to $140 really quick, and then it crashed down to $100 immediately. And now Bitcoin SV is kind of back to doing what it does and going down generally versus the rest of the market at this moment, but it is still about 40% above where it was when that news was announced regarding the Craig Wright copyright, so it did gain on average. Monero is down 7.2% near $82. Dash is down 8.7% near $148. Monero and Dash typically do better than the rest of the market because 
they're the number one stealth cryptos. Like Monero is definitely the number one stealth crypto, and Dash is the number one masternode crypto, which is a form of stealth where you mix the transactions through a masternode. In any case, they're doing worse than the market today. IOTA is down 8.7%. Tezos is down 8.8%. Cosmos is down 6.3%. And Dogecoin is down 3%. So it's a red kind of bearish morning on the crypto market. That's because Bitcoin's at the bottom of its range, holding just above that support level. So it's very critical to watch Bitcoin at this exact moment, actually. And if Bitcoin lifts off of this support level and starts going back up towards 8,000, that'd be a very bullish sign. If it breaks below it, we could be talking an even more bearish day. So we'll see what happens. The total crypto market cap is currently $236 billion. That's down $10 billion in the past 24 hours. Like I said, Bitcoin's near the bottom of its trading range. So maybe this will be the worst it gets if Bitcoin could hold the support level. It looks like it's definitely trying to hold the support and there's not that much selling pressure versus buying pressure at this exact moment. But regardless of how much it lost in the past day or even the past several days, it's still 136% above the bear market low of $100 billion total crypto market cap. So the bit of bearishness we're seeing this morning and in the past day or two is only putting a slight dent in the recovery of the crypto market. Moving on to the first interesting story of the day. So I forgot that yesterday was Bitcoin pizza day. Because it's also my wife's birthday, so I was just focusing on my wife's birthday, and I forgot it's Bitcoin Pizza Day. So May 22nd, 2010 was Bitcoin Pizza Day, and ever since then, every year on May 22nd, the crypto space celebrates Bitcoin Pizza Day. It's kind of like the only Bitcoin holiday there is. So here's exactly what happened. So this guy named Laszlo on Bitcoin Talk posted that he wanted to pay Bitcoins for pizza on May 22nd, 2010. No one at that point had publicly, at least and recorded history used Bitcoin to buy any real good. And I'm just going to read the Bitcoin talk post from Leslo. I'll pay 10,000 Bitcoins for a couple of pizzas, like maybe two large ones. So I have some leftover for the next day. I like having leftover pizza to nibble on later. You can make the pizza yourself and bring it to my house or order it for me from a delivery place. But what I'm aiming for is getting food delivered in exchange for Bitcoins where I don't have to order or prepare it myself. Kind of like ordering a breakfast platter at a hotel or something. They just bring you something to eat and you're happy. I like things like onions, peppers, sausage, mushrooms, tomatoes, pepperoni, etc. Just standard stuff, no weird fish topping or anything like that. I also like regular cheese pizzas, which may be cheaper to prepare or otherwise acquire. If you're interested, please let me know and we can work out a deal. Thanks, Laszlo. So someone did end up ordering him the pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoins. He got two large pizzas from Papa John's. And this was Bitcoin history and this created Bitcoin Pizza Day. 10,000 Bitcoins are now worth $76 million. So at the time, the two large pizzas were about... 40 bucks, maybe a little cheaper if they used a discount code or something. Yeah, 30, 40 bucks for two large pizzas at Papa John's. And he used 10,000 Bitcoins to pay for 30 to 40 bucks a pizza. Because this was back when Bitcoin was just starting to gain a little bit of value. Back then, Bitcoin was worth about three tenths to four tenths of one cent. That's approximately the same value as a Dogecoin at this moment. So back then, Bitcoin was kind of worth as much as Dogecoin. So yeah, three tenths to four tenths of one cent was the value of a Bitcoin. So you used 10,000 of them to buy a 30 to $40 amount of pizza. And now that's worth $76 million. People have asked him if he's upset that he spent like $76 million of Bitcoin on two pizzas. But back then, it was only worth 
what it was, like 30 or 40 bucks. And he was mining tons of Bitcoin. Like, he's an early Bitcoin miner, so I'm sure he's fine and he's probably very wealthy. I don't want to speculate, but yeah, he was an early Bitcoin miner. So yeah, there was a lot of Bitcoin to be mined back then. Like, back then, you can, like, literally take a normal computer or put a bunch of computers together and you'd be getting blocks all day, like 50 Bitcoins at a time per block on your own solo mining. So yeah. There's a lot of crazy stories about how much money the early Bitcoin miners made, and Laszlo was one of them, and he used some of it to facilitate the first Bitcoin transaction for real good. So that's a great honor, and he's forever the centerpiece of Bitcoin Pizza Day. So I doubt he has any regrets over this. Zooming out, isn't it amazing how Bitcoin was like three-tenths of a cent or four-tenths of a cent only nine years ago? So in nine years, Bitcoin from went from being worth less than a penny to being worth $7,600 today. So yeah, Bitcoin has had explosive growth. It's absolutely the fastest growing asset as far as value in the world, period. It's gained more value than stocks or bonds or precious metals or even companies percentage-wise uh, since nine years ago since Bitcoin Pizza Day. Assuming that Bitcoin was worth four-tenths of a cent on Bitcoin Pizza Day on May 22nd, 2010, it has had 190 million percent growth since that day. Moving on to the next story. So Bitfinex and Tether Limited, which runs the Tether stablecoin, the number one stablecoin in the world, is claiming a major victory in the battle with the New York Attorney General's office. So the New York Supreme Court has said that Bitfinex and Tether do not have to produce documents for everything they do, because that's what the New York Attorney General's office wanted they wanted all the documents for everything bitfinex and tether does in order to make a case against them uh, the new york supreme court says that the documents from bitfinex and tether only can be obtained if they involve new york so bitfinex and tether inherently don't really operate in new york i saw some rumors and speculation and maybe some slight evidence that maybe some bank accounts in new york were involved at some point with bitfinex and tether but it's a very limited amount of documents, if there are any. And so Bitfinex and Tether don't have to produce documents for everything they do in the world. They just have to produce documents if it is associated with their activity in New York, where they should not be operating anyways. So this is actually a major victory for Bitfinex and Tether, because if the New York Attorney General's Office got all the documents ever from Bitfinex and Tether, they'd probably be in major trouble. We've talked about this situation like on practically every show in the past like few weeks. I'll just recap it really quick. So Bitfinex and Tether had a time where they didn't really have a bank account. They lost their bank account in Puerto Rico. This was in the latter half of 2018. And then they were trying to find another bank. They eventually found a bank at Deltec Bank in the Bahamas. But in between, they were using crypto capital as a money processor. Crypto capital is a firm based in Panama. And Bitfinex had $850 million in crypto capital at the moment. It was seized for money laundering from the governments of the United States, Portugal, and Poland. So not Bitfinex wasn't necessarily money laundering, but crypto capital has been accused and charged of, and indicted for money laundering. And Bitfinex had their money in them at the time. So Bitfinex lost $850 million in a government seizure. And then Bitfinex went ahead and took over half a billion dollars out of Tether's reserves. And Tether is supposed to be backed one-to-one -one by dollars in a bank, and then suddenly they took like half a billion dollars out to cover the losses from Bitfinex so Bitfinex wouldn't collapse. And this kind of breaks the agreement that Bitfinex and Tether had with all the people that held Tether. Like, people that held Tether were told, hey, it's one-to-one dollars in a bank for every Tether, and then suddenly they changed the rules right in the middle of it, so that's not very honest, and 
They didn't even make any public announcements. They tried to hide it. And then Bitfinex and Tether opened up a $900 million line of credit in order to cover the loss. And the credit has like a 6% interest payment. So they got a little more than the $850 million in order to cover the losses of crypto capital in order to replenish Tether's reserves and to keep Bitfinex solvent. And then the New York Attorney General's office froze that line of credit. They did succeed in freezing the line of credit, but Bitfinex had already charged up over $700 million on the line of credit. But Bitfinex then did an initial exchange offering for their new LEO token, which is trading now. It's kind of like Binance coin for Binance, but it's like their token for Bitfinex. They raised a billion dollars. So Bitfinex is looking good. They're flush with money. And yeah, so unless the New York Attorney General's office succeeds in doing something severe against Bitfinex and Tether, Bitfinex and Tether would be fine. I can't speculate either way if they'll be fine or something bad will happen, but these are the facts right now. Back to the story of the day. Basically, Bitfinex and Tether have gotten a major victory in the sense that now the New York Attorney General's office is not going to be able to get all the documents from what happened to crypto capital at all. They're not allowed to get them, according to the New York Supreme Court. They can only get documents involving New York because New York has its own jurisdiction within New York. And it it's not legally right for them to try to do a case that involves the entire world. New York only has a certain jurisdiction. There is something called the Martin Act, though, where New York is able to investigate and prosecute cases like all over the world basically but bitfinex and tether is continuing to try to argue that the martin act doesn't apply to them because they're foreign corporations and the documents are stored overseas so it seems like they have won that battle involving the martin act because if the judge thought the martin act was applicable then he would say hey bitfinex and tether you have to give all of your documents to the new york attorney general's office so, it seems like things are getting better for Bitfinex and Tether, but this case continues. It is not over yet. We'll keep updating on this. Moving on to the next story. Apparently, one of the biggest Bitcoin mixers has been shut down. It was called bestmixer.io. I never heard of it until today because I have no interest in Bitcoin mixers. But some people do have interest in them because they want their Bitcoin to be really anonymous. So, Bitcoin is pseudo-anonymous because all transactions are published onto the blockchain, which is a public ledger. There are more stealth cryptocurrencies like Monero where you really can't see anything and it's totally stealth, but Bitcoin is not totally stealth. So what a mixer does is you'll send your Bitcoin into the mixer and then it mixes it up a ton of times. It sends it to many different addresses. It splits it up, sends it all around, and then shoots it out the other side to where you want to send it. And yeah, basically it's very hard to trace it at that point. Maybe blockchain forensics firms could still trace it if they have really advanced technology, but it would still be very difficult even with the best blockchain forensics to trace Bitcoin that went through a mixer. So apparently there's three major mixers according to the news today and bestmixer.io was one of them. They they launched only in May 2018, so that's only a year ago and they mixed 27,000 Bitcoins worth 200 million dollars, but now they've been shut down. They've been seized by the Dutch Fiscal Information and Investigation Service in close cooperation with Europol and authorities in Luxembourg. So it's like a European seizure here. They seized the website. And the reason they did this is because they believed that the mixer was being used for criminal money laundering. And that might be true to an extent. I don't want to speculate. But also, I know there's like some cypherpunks out there, like the original crypto people that created Bitcoin, like where they have a passion for anonymity. They do use mixers even for benign transactions where there's no criminal activity involved. They like to use mixers, from what I know, just because they don't want anyone to trace Bitcoin, just because they believe they have a right to anonymity. So it's not right to assume that everyone that uses a mixer is a criminal. 
But it is also possible that criminals do use mixers. So, yeah, they seize bestmixer.io. Does this really make a difference to anything? No, it doesn't. A mixer is literally a program. It's like a website that has Bitcoin node capabilities. So it could create as many addresses as it wants. It send Bitcoin between addresses and stuff. So if bestmixer.io goes down, literally someone else can make a new mixer within a day. They just have to have the code to do that. So it doesn't really make a difference. Moving on to the next story. Circle is apparently battling United States regulators. So Circle is an early Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchange. And it's kind of moved on to be for more institutional style investors. It's like, I don't think you can buy a Bitcoin on there anymore as a retail customer. But yeah, they're a strong and healthy company, but the, the U.S. regulators apparently are clamping down on them. And they said specifically, we made these changes in response to new market conditions, most importantly, an increasingly restrictive regulatory climate in the United States. So what changes was there? Well, they laid off 30 of their employees, and instead of trying to raise $250 million, they're trying to raise $150 million. So to normal people like me, that doesn't sound like that bad. They're still going to raise $150 million. But to them, it's a hit. Basically, uh, their projections for growth have become more limited because the United States regulators are making it very hard to run a crypto exchange like they're trying to run. And they also run Poloniex, and Poloniex recently delisted nine popular cryptocurrencies because the SEC said they're probably securities. So Cir Circle and Poloniex uh, disagreed with this decision, but they had to do it anyways. But yeah, it's always been hard in the United States to run a cryptocurrency business in general. If you're exchanging Bitcoin, usually banks get shut down and stuff, and it's very hard to even keep one bank open long term. But Circle and Coinbase have managed to keep their bank open, but in order to keep their bank open, they have to like not trade any securities and a cryptocurrency can be considered a security if it was launched with an ICO and investors bought the ICO in expectation of making profits on the coins they bought. So that's just like a stock pretty much. So that's why they call it securities. And I think that's a fair like definition from the SEC. But simultaneously, cryptocurrencies are currencies. So it gets kind of confusing. And there's arguments on both sides whether a cryptocurrency is a security or a currency. The SEC has accepted that Bitcoin and Ethereum are currencies. But the other cryptocurrencies are kind of in doubt. Most of the ICOs are considered security. So Poloniex is delisting everything that could be considered a security, which is kind of like... They haven't delisted everything yet, but back in the day they had like every coin and they have a lot less coins now because a lot of coins had to be delisted according to their talks with the SEC. But yeah, apparently Circle had to lay off 30 employees and they're raising less money because of U.S. regulators clamping down on the business. Circle says they're going to be looking overseas for better opportunities greener pastures they're not leaving the united states or anything but they might try to launch some companies overseas in order to do the full scope of the crypto business and that kind of shows why the regulations are kind of ridiculous it's good to have regulations to protect investors and people that buy cryptocurrency but if the regulations get so harsh that we have strong united states companies trying to escape the country then the regulations have gone too far. So there's some sort of happy medium somewhere where there's enough regulations to protect investors, but also the companies want to stay in the United States. So they got to find that medium. And right now it's a little too harsh where we even have Circle trying to like go overseas pretty much. They're not leaving, but they might launch some subsidiaries overseas. Moving on to the next story. 
Binance's CEO, Changpeng Zhao, who's a highly respected member of the cryptocurrency community, he runs Binance, which is like the biggest spot crypto exchange in the world. So apparently Sequoia Capital sued him back in December 2017 during like the peak of that crypto rally. So basically Binance was in talks with Sequoia Capital for fundraising in their Series A round. And then Changpeng Zhao was also talking to IDG Capital, and that's common for a crypto company that has real valuation to be talking to multiple venture capital VC hedge funds in order to raise money. But Sequoia Capital sued him. They got an injunction against him without even notifying him in order to stop him from raising money and saying that he broke an exclusivity agreement. So that really damaged... Binance's and Changpeng Zhao's chance of raising lots of money for Binance. And so, yeah, Binance missed out on a lot of funding opportunities because this court case has been going on. But then the Chinese courts, this was in China, dismissed the case saying that it was wrong for Sequoia Capital to do this injunction against Binance and Changpeng Zhao without notifying them first. And also that it was just wrong in general. So now Changpeng Zhao is suing Sequoia Capital, their Chinese division, for the lost potential of money-making and also a loss of reputation because this court case that started in December 2017 and ended recently made Binance and Jake Pigazel look bad in the eyes of other VC funds. All of this being said, Binance is very successful and it seems like they didn't really need to raise whatever money they missed out on anyways because they're like the number one spot crypto exchange in the world. And maybe it was good they weren't focusing on raising money via VC because they made Binance coin which is kind of like a way to invest in Binance. They made it like the most popular exchange token in the world. It's actually listed at number seven on CoinMarketCap because it's so popular, which is surprising for any exchange coin to be listed right up there in the top 10. It's the only one that's like that. So Binance Coin has done very, very well, and Binance is doing very well too. And it seems like they didn't even need the investors that they might have missed out on. So that's all I have for you today on this May 23rd, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ 24-7 for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join the Crypto.IQ Trading Desk. They have made over 400% profits since July. The profits keep going up and up. And if you join the Crypto.IQ Trading Desk, you can see their trades in real time and there's a full trade analysis of each trade. Just by reading their trade analysis, you can become an expert cryptocurrency trader. It gets even better. You can ask the Crypto.IQ traders any question you want and they'll answer your questions pretty quickly. So joining the Crypto.IQ Trading Desk is the best way to become an expert and profitable cryptocurrency trader. This is your host Space Marine signing out. I remain in space.